Hollywood story begins with a voice giving shape to darkness. A storyteller speaking characters into existence, and it's good. In fact, it's perfect. Enter the villain, one who wishes to change the story, to bring death to mankind, to unmake the storyteller's good world. Our inciting incident, where everything goes wrong. The villain tells the characters they can create their own story, and they believe the lie. Death is sentenced, and the characters are enslaved. The villain is triumphant. But all is not lost. The storyteller is not idle. He has a plan, but it will take time and sacrifice. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Church in the Valley. Uh, that video just showed this story that, that we've been talking about uh, the last couple weeks. And today, like the video suggests, we're going to be talking about uh, the villain. And in any good story that, that usually uh, is interesting to us, there, there's conflict that happens. And a lot of times conflict is centered upon a problem people face or a villain that, that they encounter. And they try to think, how do we move forward? How do we plan together to, to overcome this this problem. And in the story of the world, uh, that, that's actually true as well. And the last couple of weeks we've been digging into the scriptures to talk about what, what's the story of our lives and how God has made things and, and how is, is he being involved and us being involved? How, how does that all work together to, to this story that, that we live out uh, in daily life? And we started looking at the importance of Kind of the most important event in history, which was the coming of Jesus Christ, the fact that he came to die for our sins and he rose again. And we celebrated that on Easter. And so in a way, we started at the most important event in history. And then last week, we went back to the beginning of history and looked at how God created the world and how he made the heavens and the earth, how he made the animals, how he made uh, the first man and the first woman. And we kind of ended last week talking about how we made everything and it was was good. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that that doesn't seem like that's the ending we experience today. It's not always good. And if you're young or if you're old, you know that there's certain aspects of life that you face that that's not good. That's painful. Uh, maybe something that you've done, maybe something that someone's done to you or your circumstance or things that happen, tragedy. Uh, there's so much stuff that happens that is not good. So it's hard to make sense out of how did God, who created all these things to be good, how, how did it kind of unravel and get messed up? And so today we're talking about the villain and the conflict of our story. And the reason that's important is without understanding that and how problems exist and why there's conflict and why life is so difficult, we actually don't understand the importance of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ becomes more important in the story of the world once we understand the problem. So today we're going to look at the problem that we all experience in life, and that's the problem of, of sin. And sin is something that you, you may not talk about a lot with your friends and your coworkers, but we all experience it. We actually experience sin uh, every day of our life through the things that 
that we do or that people do around us or just being in a fallen world. We, we experience sin. And so I want to kind of pull back the, the curtain. If we're talking about the story of the world and how we're here, uh, this, this is a really important chapter uh, in that story that impacts uh, everything else. And so uh, if you've missed any of where we've talked about the last couple weeks, I, I encourage you to, to listen online. But like I've mentioned in the, in the series, God is the central character of the story. But in that, he just didn't create the world for himself. He actually created it for us. And so we're interacting with God. And I want to go back to something I mentioned last week, which talks about the relationship that God had with humans. He created humans to actually relate to them, to have a personal relationship to them. He actually gave them responsibility. He actually gave them value and privilege that no other create creation has received. Humans, we are the most privileged out of everything he's made. And so we have this special relationship with, with God. And out of that relationship, God gave a lot of instruction to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And so I want to talk about that instruction and then kind of look at what happened and transpired after that. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. That's where you kind of find all of the beginning things of of this world. And so in Genesis 2, uh, to pick up the story, I want to kind of begin looking again at the relationship that God had with the first man and woman. And this is what he says. He said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Again, that was part of the responsibility and part of the privilege that God gave to humans. You get to experience this land, enjoy this land, but also you're, you're responsible for it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God is saying, all this I've created, and it is good. And you have a special responsibility to take care of what I've created. And you may enjoy and eat of everything that I've given you, except for this one tree. Don't eat off this tree. And this is to show the significance of God is setting up a boundary. He's he's letting humans know that I'm God, and I set the boundaries for how life will be lived. And you have to choose out of your own free will, to, to listen to me or not. And this idea was, will you rely on me? Will you listen to me? Will you obey me? Will you trust me in this relationship that I've had? See, all that I've given you, there's just this one boundary. Do not eat of this tree. Does anyone know what happens next? Right? Like, you even read it and you're like, oh, I know what they're going to do. Even if you've never heard this story, there's a sense in which whenever we're told you can do 15 things or 15 million things, but you can't do this one thing, what do you start wondering? Like, what, what, like what's the one thing? Like, why can't I do it? I really want to do it. And that's because of this free will. There's always this sense in which we want to kind of know, okay, what's the boundaries? And we oftentimes we, we're constricted by that, and we, we want to tell our own story like, like that video said. We, we're interested in, okay, well, I don't want boundaries. I don't want restrictions. I, I want to be my own boss. And so... The story today is, is God set boundaries out of his love. And he gave some commandments and he gave some restrictions, just like a parent. Uh, as you parent kids, you're giving them boundaries for their own safety. And God did the same. It's basically like we're, we're children in, in the fact that we're not God. We don't think like God. We, we don't have the power of God. And so he's limited 
what he says we can do and, and what we can't. But something happens that we're going to talk about today that kind of determined the future of all of us because of the decision of the first man and woman. And because of their decision, it, it impacted uh, all of us. And so anytime you talk about evil and sin, there's, there's something inside of us that's, that's very hard to, to understand it. And this is, is something that, that's difficult to talk about a lot because of the pain we experience in life. In fact, in philosophy, there's, there's this, this argument that's existed for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's called the problem of evil. And they go back to this idea of how could this loving God, if you say he exists, how can a loving God allow evil to come? If he's all powerful and all good, then, then why is evil a part of this life and this, this earth? And so they draw different conclusions. People argue this and argue this and argue this. And people get degrees in this specific topic, the problem of evil. And on one moment, there, it's philosophical. But on the other end, it's, it's also very personal because we're, we're impacted by the suffering of the world. We're impacted by our own choices and the choices of others. So this topic is, is very layered. But I want to propose to you, we're not going to be talking philosophically today about the problem of evil. But more in why does it actually exist? How did it happen? And, and what does that mean for us today? And what you find in scriptures, because of the relationship that God has set between him and humans, he actually gave them free will. And this relationship had to be based on free will, so it wasn't meaningless or plastic or, or fake. And so all of us have been given free will, including Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. And out of that free will, they chose to do the exact opposite of what God said. Remember last week, if you were here, I just talked about like some deep philosophical kind of questions I've asked myself when I was younger. Like, if I wouldn't have been created, I'd, I'd never be here. You know, like, I wouldn't even have this thought about the thought of me being here or not. Remember, if you weren't here, you, you're like, what are you talking about? But there's another thought that, that's, well, if I was Adam or Eve, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, 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 I would have. I would have. And that's what you find in Scripture. It's, it's, it's this representation of humans. It's not just them. Because, you know, it's easy like Adam and Eve, like, you guys blew it. You messed it up for the rest of us. You blew it. You know, we need Bill and Ted's. You know, we need to go back in time, fix the situation. If you're young, you don't even know what that is. But I don't recommend that. But anyway, sidebar. We're going we're gonna to be talking about, okay, well, what do we do? With, with this, this problem that we experience, a loving God, a good God, and yet evil, which seems to just cause everything to fall apart. And that, that's what the title of today's message is, is, falls apart. Just What do we do when it all falls apart? But this is the problem of evil. If, if God is good and God is all-powerful, then why does evil exist in our world? Okay, that's a key question. Why does it exist? And so we're going to talk about the why. And it's actually logical because of the relationship that God has set. It's actually logical that God can still be good. He can still be all-powerful and all-loving and evil still exists. Because of the free will that I've been talking about. 
So while you may be experiencing this personally, and you've maybe wondered this and wrestled with this before, the question is actually bigger. And that is, why did we even get here in the first place? And that's what's interesting for us, because while we wrestle with this, and pain is, is real, and it's personal, and it can be a struggle, the big issue is, well, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for the choices I make and the life that I choose to live? So I hope today, even in the midst of the questions and some of the wrestling, you can find some direction and some help. And, and what does that mean for us as, as we move forward? And so that's what kind of the focus of uh, today's message. So I want to kind of look at all the stuff that led to the point of, of sin entering. But before that, I do want to highlight the most important part. And this is a part of the epic story that God's telling us. And that is that, that God promises to redeem the world in spite of man's rebellion. That's the hope that we have. So in a way, I, I'm taking away all the cliffhanger and giving you the hope that, that actually God, even though sin entered and people through their free will rebelled, everything wasn't utterly messed up and destroyed. There's still hope. Now, have you ever, like, watched a movie? And my, my wife and I, we always have these discussions when we're looking at movies, and she always asks the question, like, do you know how it ends? Like, like is it depressing? And we always have this discussion because I kind of like, you know what, though? Like, depressing, if it ends, like, that's kind of like life. Like, life could be like that. And, you know, you talk about it, and sometimes it's like a painful, depressing movie. I just, I watch them like, man, that was terrible. But it was, like, artistic, you know? And I tried... And for her, it's like, I don't want to waste any money whatsoever on a movie that's depressing. And so we always have that, like, well, how does it end? And I'm thinking, well, if I find out how it ends, like, what's the point of watching it, you know? And I've taken away some of that suspense. In the end, actually, God makes everything right as he wraps up history. And not only that. God makes everything better as we choose to do life his way. So there's this part in which as we wrestle and as we experience the pain, there is redemption in God. And that's where we're looking at today. How, how does that happen and how, how does that come about? But if you've never heard kind of the story of how everything fell apart, we're going to review that today. And if, if you have heard it, I hope that you'll kind of be able to pull some just helpful insights into to your own life, into your own responses and things like that. So let, let's look at how evil entered uh, the world and so again god gave free will he created everything he gave free will so that the relationship would be real and he put boundaries in place and these boundaries were to really test who do we trust do we trust our own uh, self and plan and story we want to tell or do we trust the story that god wants to tell through us and there's this 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 point in which we find that was the real decision that that was going on so i want to look at the the temptation and the fall and that's in genesis chapter 3 Okay? It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, then it goes on. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the scene was set. I've created all this for you to enjoy. 
you have freedom. This is your garden. And like, we don't really understand like what this garden would be like, but God created this garden and it was good and it was perfect. And so I would imagine like picture the best garden you've ever been to with waterfalls and like hummingbirds and no weeds. And then multiply that by like 3000. And that wasn't even like this garden. Okay. This garden was awesome. And the only thing God restricted was don't eat of this one tree in the midst of the garden. The, the, the picture is it's like in the middle of the garden. And this was the boundary. Don't don't eat off that. That's that's my tree, not your tree. Don't do it. And then the serpent comes into the scene and this is Satan working through. The serpent speaking through it and he, and he tests that that theory like. Wait, wait, let, let me just clarify. Are you sure that's what God meant? And so here we see the beginning of like semantics. Did he really say like you couldn't eat it or like maybe it's not a good idea or you can if you want, if you really want to. Like he's just getting in there. He's trying to, to figure out. And it's interesting. He, he lands on this idea of the only reason you can't eat it is because he's actually trying to restrict your freedom. You know why you can't eat it? Because he's not actually being good to you. He's not being loving to you. He's not actually being this God that he should be. And so there's this questioning of the goodness of God, and that's at the temptation. That's what it is. It's questioning the, the goodness of God. Is God really good? Why would he restrict this one thing? And so, you know, you, you can begin to imagine Eve is just processing all this, trying trying to, to think about this and trying to, to process this and it's a question of, of God's goodness. And the, the story goes on in verse 6. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So that... The serpent, Satan, begins to question God's goodness and clarify and think, are you sure? I think, I think this is okay. You, you're free, so you're free to do whatever you want. And I, I, I just, the picture is amazing. Like, she's listening to this temptation. And all of a sudden, she's looking at it, she's like, man, you know what? That fruit does look good. And I mean, I know we have all these other trees, but this fruit looks really good. And you know what? I, got the knowledge of, of life and it's, if I eat it like I'm going to be wise and I'm going to know things that God knows and so you just she's enticed and then she eats it and you don't exactly know the picture all you know is that her husband is just where he's just there watching and she eats it and doesn't seem like he said anything he didn't say stop he didn't say wait a second he just watched her he just was completely passive and then what does she do? She passes the fruit. Like, hey, you know what? I've done this. You better do it too. You ever, you know, done that? Like you, you've done something you don't want to do and you're like, well, if I'm the only one that does it, this is going to get really bad. So you do it too and then we'll be a part of this together. Right? I learned that strategy when I was really young. You mess up. You break something. You find someone else right there that breaks it too. Okay? Just party in the, the brokenness. Right? But this happened right at the beginning. This, this is sin entering. We were enticed. 
We were led astray. We wanted to be free to do whatever we wanted. And so their eyes were opened, and now they realize they're naked. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but that's kind of an interesting scene. God had created the world, and they, they were just they were naked and didn't realize it. Then their eyes were open when sin entered, and they're, whoa, 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 we we got to get close. And they, they, they got close, and then they, they hid. Now, that just kind of shows you, like, we're not exactly like God, like that was Eve's point. Like, well, yeah, I, I need to be wise and I need to have the freedom and I, I need to be like God. And that's what Satan is, is telling. Like, you need to be like God. You need to have his power. You need to have his knowledge. And then as soon as they sin, they hide from God. Now, is that, is that smart? Like, you ever thought about that? Like hiding from God. He sees everything. Over the weekend, I was playing hide and seek with my kids. And you're always checking, especially with the younger ones, like, do you count with your eyes closed? Because that's like a really important factor, right? And sometimes you have to check because they're one, two, three, four. And close your eyes. Close your eyes. That's like with God, like his eyes aren't closed. He doesn't miss anything. And so they, they hid. They tried to hide from God. They'd sinned. They tried to hide. And God comes to Adam. He knows something's up. He saw everything. And he says to Adam, and he comes, and what happened, Adam? Like, what, what, what's going on? Why, why are you hiding? And he says, the man said, the woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I, and I ate. It, it was her. You could just imagine God, really? Really? And so he just, okay. So then the Lord God said to the woman, what, what is this that, that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent. That serpent deceived me. And I ate. This is the first instance of the blame game happening, right? Adam, what did you do? You know what? That's a great question, but you should talk to the woman that you gave me, Eve. You might want to check with her. Goes to Eve. What did you do? You know what? You might want to check with the serpent in the garden that you gave us because it was his fault. And then it began. And since that point of the choice to rebel against God and to do exactly the opposite of what he said, this is an experience we have in life. If you've ever blamed Anyone for anything. That's a factor because of this. If you've ever been blamed for something, it's because of this. If you've ever hidden from something that you've done and not want anyone to find out about it, it's because of this. If you've ever asked the question, why is God not good to me? It's because of this. It all goes back to this. The temptation and the fall. Questioning the goodness of God, rebelling against Him, hiding in shame, and then blaming others. This all stems to this episode that happened in history. So I want to talk about the consequences of this. And these are actually not really hard to, to realize because we experience these consequences. Like I mentioned at the beginning, every day we actually experience the consequences of sin. But 
Here's some specific things that, that happened because of this. And so I want to want to talk about that. The consequences. For the woman specific, there were some consequences. Pain and a power struggle. And this is what, what God said to the woman. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That's the consequence of sin. This is the first mention of pain in history. There was no pain before this. Now, some of you women in here who've had kids are now just sin got a little bit more real. Because you're thinking, wait, what? Childbearing, like there was no pain before? Yeah, there, there, was, there was not going to be any pain. But because of sin, there, there is. And that represents the pain of, of life. The pain of, of relationships, the, the pain of just being here, living in this world that there's pain. And then there's also this, this power struggle that you see that happens in marriage between a husband and a wife. And when it says your desire shall be for your husband, the idea is your desire is to lead your husband. Your desire is to control your husband. Your desire is to do, you know, have him do exactly what you want him to do. And it begs the question, does any husband want that to happen? The answer is no. No husband wants to be controlled. No husband wants to be restricted. No man does. And so this wrestling match started at this, this point, and it's happened ever since. And if you're not married, marriage is still good. Don't give up hope. But there will be wrestling matches, and it's related to this. And if you are married, you know this. But don't give up hope, because God is still good in the midst of the wrestling. But this was specific to the woman because of the choice that, that she made. For the man, there's consequences as well. Pain and trouble with work. And it's so interesting, before I read the scripture, this is showing you a little bit of the wiring, too, of men and women. Men, their problems connected to their responsibilities and their work. This is showing you how a man is made. They're made to, to, to accomplish something with their work, and their work can become their focus. For women, work can be a focus, but in the midst of work, what's really most important for most women is, is the relationships in the midst of it. Relationships with their family, the relationships with the coworkers, and all this stuff. And so you see that the, the things that mean the most to us, sin, kind of maligned it, messed it all up. Genesis 3 says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. And then the last verse in 19 says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Have you ever had a bad day at work? And it's a it's dread like you just you dread going to work, and you're worn out at work, and you hate work. It's connected to this. Now there's good days at work, but what what it's showing you is you're going to pour all this into your work, and in the end, 
you're going to be worn out and you're going to die. <laughs> That's so depressing. Like, if you read that, like, for you are dust and to the dust you shall return. Like, you're going to spend all your days. And by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Like, you're going to be worn out by your work and the very thing that you're trying to provide, you're going to eat and you're just going to be so tired that you can hardly even enjoy it. It's because of the fall. Work is a grind. It's all consuming. And it sometimes seems like you're just, you're digging in ground that, that's so hard that you, you can't even see a difference. That's because of the fall. But again, all hope is not lost. And the story doesn't end here. There's actually the promise of redemption. Okay, and just like any story, there's this thing in us that as problems come, as a villain comes, and as there's consequences, as there's pain, as there's struggle, the question always is, well, how do we overcome? How do we move past this? This canyon of problems, this canyon of despair, how do we cross to the other side? And the very God that initiated the world and created everything, including me and you, is also the one that initiated how to build on this rubble. This didn't happen and God think, well, that didn't really go as I planned. I'm going to just kind of be hanging between, you know, one of the planets here. And I hope that works out for you guys. He didn't do that. He could have. But everything messed up and, and God thought, okay. By their free will, they chose to rebel. Now I'll redeem them. Now I'll bring it back to the intent for which we started. Now on this earth, in this life, until you breathe your last breath, there will be pain. And there will be power struggles. And things will be a grind. But even in the midst of that, God can redeem it. He can bring purpose. And he can bring meaning. And that's what we're going we're to talk about. And so it starts with the beginning promises that happened after he mentions the consequences. This is Genesis 3, uh, verse 14. It says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That's actually speaking again to the role of Jesus Christ. Because God's mentioning what's going to happen through the offspring. And what God was doing through the offspring of Eve, he was raising up the Redeemer who was Jesus. And to Satan, he says, and you shall bruise his heel. That's speaking to death is going to happen to him. Like he's going to be bruised. There's this, this brokenness that's going to happen. And that's what happened when Jesus was on the cross. He's alluding to this. There's a sacrifice that's going to happen. But even in the sacrifice, because that Jesus came, he came so that sin would not end it for all of us. He came that sin would not destroy us. Although we feel the pain and we experience it, Jesus came and was bruised and took sin on for us. But then there's another promise, and this was speaking of Christ. He shall bruise your head. The idea of bruise your heel is... You're going to break him and he will die on the cross because that is the plan in which I'm going to redeem the world. And he's going to rise again 
and conquer sin and death. That this he shall bruise your head is talking about the ultimate death blow that happens to Satan, the deceiver. It's like your head is going to be crushed. It's going to be destroyed. Your tempting, your deception, your evil, your lying, in the end, when God wraps all this up, you will be destroyed. And so there's things that are happening now, and Satan is behind things. And he tempts even today. And there's the spiritual forces of evil that's very real in this world. But ultimately, his head will be crushed, and he will be destroyed through the might of God. So even there, death didn't win. Evil didn't win. The ultimate outcome as everything wraps up is, is not this. It's the fact that Jesus Christ will be bruised and was bruised and he died for us. That's why we started the story looking at him on Easter. Because again, we need somebody to solve the problem. We couldn't do it ourselves because our own free will rebelled against God. So we needed God himself to come and dwell with us and take care of our sin problem. So this, this should provide hope. But the very thing that we rebel against God, you actually have to turn back and find the answers that you need. And so that's it. God's a part of the solution. He is the solution. You have to turn back to him. And even to this day, we struggle with that. Where do we find the answers? Do we try to find it ourselves or do we look to God? And that's a question we all must wrestle with. But I want to talk a little bit about, despite this is true, what are the, the common ways that, that we ourselves deal with these consequences? Okay, this is, we've been talking about Adam and Eve, and we've been talking about what happened in history and how God and Satan, they were involved in this, this beginning story. But, but what about us? Well, it has implications for us today. And these are what we do ourselves when we face the consequences of sin. Whether it's something that we've done, as we've just wanted to tell our own story outside of God or rebel against him, or that people have done to us. And the pain and the guilt and shame can sometimes be the same, whether it was us or somebody else. So what are the common things? And you find this in the story. The first is we, we doubt God's goodness, too. If you ever gotten to the point where you've experienced something overwhelming and maybe just wrong and crushing and hopeless, there's this part just like in the garden where we, we just kind of say, how, how could God be good? How could God be loving? How did God allow this to happen? Why did he allow it to happen? And we question that God is good. So in the midst of that, we're trying to make sense out of things. But it's really hard to make sense out of this from just a human point of view. We need faith. But this is where a lot of us stumble, is, is we, we doubt the, the goodness of God. The second thing is, is self-justification. And this was the blame game. We do something, but there's something in us that we want to put that on somebody else. And that's why I know I wouldn't have been any different than Adam and Eve. Because through their sin, I do the same things. I would have blamed Eve. And if I was Eve, I would have blamed the serpent. I would have. You know why I know that? 
because I want to blame people now. I do. When I do wrong, I'm thinking, well, what's the loophole? Who's the fall guy? All our eyes are on me, but there's got to be someone else. There's just a part. I don't want to admit I've done wrong. And so self-justification, I did that because they did that. This is connected to the fall. And I, I struggle with it. You, you might as well. The third is we hide, in, we hide in shame, just like Adam and Eve. We see it. We don't want to admit it. But when we do admit it, we then get to the point where we just, we're so embarrassed. We're just overwhelmed by our evil, our sin. And we can get to the point where we just, we have, we have shame. Shame is one of the most powerful, crippling emotions you can experience. Shame is, is telling a, a story about who you are that's entirely not true. But the issue with shame is, is you're so buried in the midst of things that you can't even know what true is. And so you believe it and you live it out. And you just hide. And so you isolate yourself. You become a lonely person. And before you know it, you, you don't have any relationships that help you. And so you can spiral through this. And you can just spiral through self-justification. And you can spiral when you doubt God is good and when God's loving. So this is real. Like what I'm talking about today is not theory. It's not an ancient story. You guys know and I know this is real. We experience this. But there's a fourth way we can deal with the consequences of sin. And that is that we can trust God to redeem us. So I'm talking about scriptures from the beginning. But then I I explain that, you know, in the end, God is actually going to wrap this up. And he's going to act completely good and completely loving in all his power. And he's going to make everything right. And in the end of the scriptures in the book of Revelation, which is the last book, You get a little snippet of what that's going to be. And I want to just close with this in Revelation 21. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the hope of the one who redeems. All the pain that we experience when he wraps up history for those that have chosen to follow him, they will live in eternity with him and there will be pain no more. There will be no shame. There will be no more problems. This is the story that God wants to tell. That there is hope despite the brokenness. He puts it back together. But it begins with doing life his way. And it begins with just this realization, like, I cannot solve my sin problem. And so I want to encourage you, as I close, as the band comes up, I want you just to think through, what are some of the ways that you're currently trying to deal with your own sin or the consequences of it? And think through that. What is it that you're trying to do? Because I just want to give you hope today. That you don't have to get buried under the shame, the self-justification, the hiding. 
the doubting God is good and real. You can actually turn, and just like he did through Jesus Christ, you can allow God to deal with your sin. And it begins with admitting it, admitting you need his help, admitting you can't solve your problem by yourself. So that's what Christianity is. It's, it's really this move from independence to dependence, depending on God. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you've committed your life to Christ and you just found yourself, you know what, I, I'm spiraling in one of these areas. Today, decide that, that you're going to turn to God and ask him for help. If you've never committed your life to Christ and, and you've never really decided to follow him as the boss of your life, you can do that today. And this can be your reality, the fact that God will wrap up history and you'll be included in it to live with him forever. So if, if you're not sure what that means, you can mark that on your connection card on the next step. Uh, if you're interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus, you can, you can mark that. Uh, there's some other next steps. If you pull out your connection card, uh, as I'm done praying, we're going to receive the offering and you can put it in there. Uh, but the second thing is just refuse to deal wrongly. Uh, with the consequences of sin. That's what I've been talking about. And then the third is to trust uh, in God when things seem to be falling apart. You, you may be in that part where you just, you're not sure how everything is going to work out in your life right now. But I encourage you, tr- trust God that he will act good on your behalf. So let's pray. God, thank you for the reality of our story, uh, even as we look at the problem of sin and, and evil, it, it's actually real. And we don't have to gloss this over. We can actually stare death and sin in the face and know that that it is not here to crush us. While everything did fall apart, you actually uh, bring everything back. And so thank you, God, that you redeem us, you redeem even the things that uh, don't seem to make sense. And God, help us in the midst of the questioning and the wrestling and the pain um, to not hide from you, uh, but to turn and turn to you and trust you. So we ask for your help in this, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.